0: Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor.
1: Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alindavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free. Welcome to Kindred, the show shining a light on local mental health professionals who are the unsung heroes of our community. Join us as we explore their stories, strategies, and the art of healing minds. Let's break the stigma and celebrate resilience together. This is Kindred, where understanding begins and healing flourishes. Now, listeners, allow me to introduce our next guest, a beacon of wisdom and compassion in the world of mental health, Courtney Coyle. As a seasoned therapist with years of experience, Courtney brings a unique perspective to our show. Her dedication to helping individuals navigate the intricate landscape of their minds has touched countless lives. Get ready to be inspired as we dive into an insightful conversation with Courtney Coyle right here on Kindred. Welcome, Courtney.
0: Hello, how are we doing?
1: Good, can you start by telling us a bit more about your journey into the field of therapy and what drew you to humanistic psychology?
0: Absolutely, so I went to graduate school at UNC Charlotte. um, And during my time there, I really got pretty interested in like the macro side of social work actually. So I was very focused on like a lot of policy stuff Um, And then as I was getting more into that world, I realized I kind of actually like helping people a little more one-on-one with some of the changes just to make everyone's lives feel better in whatever they're going through in their individual lives and their individual families. So I kind of shifted gears um, and went into therapy work, um, postgraduate, And I really started community-based. So I was doing um, intensive in-home out in Durham, North Carolina, and working with a lot of minority families, low-income, systematic, multi-generational trauma, um, and just really taking a systems approach and helping Some of the kids work through and change some of the way their family functions and um, a lot of that emotion regulation.
1: That's really great work. And then you use a variety of different techniques. You said like EFST, uh, mindfulness, cognitive behavioral therapy, solution focused therapy. So like how do those types of therapy help contribute to the breakthroughs that you've had with your clients?
0: Well, I think there's such a difference between every kind of approach and when you meet either an individual or a family, you kind of have to really tailor it to what they need because a lot of times people will come in and they really do want you to be very solution-focused. Like if you don't start seeing that progress pretty quickly, then you're going to lose their their interest or their investment or their ability to kind of make traction with their change. So I think a lot of times you have to kind of shift that practice based on the individual and based on their kind of circumstance. Um, But a lot of times looking at multi relationships and looking at an individual's external relationships as well, it, it can kind of be almost like a layering sometimes as well with, you know, pulling some of the skill base into whatever modality is your your main
1: purpose. So how do you go about that, like tailoring process of like, you know, how do you match up like the right therapy with the right people?
0: So I'm a big, big advocate of therapy shopping. And I tell my clients this every time I start with somebody new, I'm like, I should not be the only therapist that you talk to. Um, Because I do think like, Everyone has this ability to build a rapport with someone, but I also think you just aren't, shouldn't be just stuck with someone and like go through, okay, they're going to do CBT with me, but I don't really have the best connection with them, but like the approach is going to work, I'm going to get whatever I need from this service, but actually therapy should really be something that like you look forward to seeing your therapist and like you do have that rapport, you do have that established, but you also like the way that they approach therapy, right? So there are some people that I will kind of spell out a little bit of what each model kind of looks like and and see what they gravitate towards, like maybe they do kind of want to spend more time in like a CBT platform versus like going and working on relationships or, you know, jumping into solution focused, like sometimes just letting them see what types of models are out there. Because I think sometimes there is this like very generic idea that you just go in and kind of talk about your problems with your therapist. And then they're like, okay, well, how do you feel about that? Um, And I I just think there's a lot more to kind of educate people on as well, like letting them have an idea of what their treatment modality is really going to look like is important.
1: Yeah. So solution-focused is is kind of um, straightforward, right? It's like when we're focusing on the solution, um, and there's a lot of information out there about cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness, but what is EFST?
0: So um, EFST is... um, emotions. I can't even remember exactly what it's, um, ecosystemic family structural therapy. So that is a little bit of that modality that I was talking about with children and families. Um, so a lot of times this is going to be, a child has big emotions and then our family isn't supporting that in the right way um so they're maybe doing things that are going to trigger the child a little bit more they're going to maybe make some arguments some um situations quite a bit worse so you really kind of work through a lot of the attachment like re kind of establishing an attachment between the whole family unit and then kind of doing a little bit more organization and executive functioning just so once that attachment has been securely established, there's a rhyme and reason to like the household function and there's expectations and um, you know, kids can know what is going to get them in trouble and what, you know, what is it allowed and what's expected versus, you know, just kind of haphazardly saying like, Oh, you're not allowed to do this or that's not allowed. and then really kind of focusing on the co-caregiver, whatever that may be. So it may be grandma and daughter, or it may be mom and dad or um, mom and mom. You know, it could be whatever that structure looks like in the household, but really creating a co-caregiver alliance so that they are the main top, the main point on that pyramid. And the, you know, the rest of the house kind of falls into line and sequence because they are so very connected on the page of how they're going to structure their house and how things are going to run. Um, And then kind of once you've gone through all of those areas, you really start to focus on like the child or the adult's emotion regulation so that things don't get quite as big, quite as volcanic, and then can kind of stay just in a little more regulated space with healthy coping skills and things like that.
1: Will you share more about like, so you're talking about EFST and like, I I've, I've heard of like attachment based parenting and, and, you know, working through family therapy in that way. But can you talk more towards like, just like a, without divulging any names or anything like that, just a success story that you feel like really proud of that you're like, yeah, like I worked on this, this situation and and this is how it turned out. So-, so I think
0: something that, you know, always feels very successful is when there's like a a potential adoption that is looking to maybe you know, be terminated. And so a lot of times our service would be kind of called in these parents would be like, you know, we adopted this kid thinking, everything would be great, they would complete our lives. But you know, it's all it did was bring fighting and chaos and anger and trauma. And so kind of going in and like, allowing the parents to truly see who that child is, and understand you know, what they've come from or who they are and what they're working through and be able to support that. And then like they're able to really create a family unit that is able to thrive and be successful um, was always very validating. Um, Generally, this service can be used and is used when, you know, the house is a little bit closer to kind of breaking apart, right? Like things really aren't working. There is a lot of turmoil. So just seeing a family that can kind of come together and and truly value and respect each other, even if that you're looking at the six-year-old and just like talking to them in a way that really allows them to see, feel seen and heard and understood. Um, so just kind of creating families that, can have positive interactions with each other is
1: always really validating. That sounds so transformational, Courtney, because, you know, we're talking about like a a kid who has probably been passed off from one foster home to the next, um, has experienced a lot of abandonment and a family that was really looking to be able to bring somebody into their family that would, would, um, just bring joy in and, and um, you know, there's always going to be hardships and challenges with new family members, but just like a sense of completeness and to be at the brink of like breaking up and failure and, and all of that, like just how devastating that would be for the whole family system to be able to intervene and literally make everyone's dreams come true. It,
0: it, it, it truly is one of those times where, you really do see exactly your work in in real life. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, like we've really created these great coping skills and like, you know, your client that you would see individually, like two years goes through a hardship, but really, you know, you don't see that always. You know, you don't get to necessarily see them work and use their healthy skills to get overcome these hard hurdles if you're not still meeting with them. Whereas this intervention model, it is very, it's quick, right? Like you go in, you're you're very accessible. So like they kind of call you when things escalate, you're involved in that, like you're really teaching a lot of the parenting skills, like you almost become like in the trenches of the family just to kind of be that person in the background that's like, okay, how can we do this? Like it's very live action, which is a really cool perspective of, versus like them coming to you and be like, this is kind of what I dealt with this week. And it was really difficult and we'll process and and move forward from it. It was like, you were kind of in those moments with them. Mm-hmm. So, at, and that can be very, very difficult at times. Um, you know, some, there's a lot of hard things families have to go through and, You know, you have to really navigate yourself as a clinician, like being the clinician and not getting pulled to one side or the other. But it is very rewarding when you can kind of see that family unit restructure and come
1: together. So on the flip side of the success story, have you had um, client situations or family situations that you've worked with that like didn't work out so well?
0: Um, absolutely. Yeah. So there's been, you know, a lot of families that, you know, haven't been able to kind of work through some of this intervention model and really have had to, you know, either put their child in foster care or send them to like a group home, um, or just kind of our cycle through a lot of therapists, um, You know, the service that of intensive in-home is very short term, you get like a six month um, authorization, and then you can add on like two months at a time. But, you know, with the way insurance is, is usually you get like, one extra off. So like eight months is, you know, you're expected to make some pretty huge family shifts. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just doesn't always happen. So there are families that kind of cycle in and out of different intensive in-home groups, different kinds of services. Um, And, you know, a lot of times when, you know, that volcano does erupt, like it can get pretty volatile. So a lot of those families have pretty high you know, ER visits. And, you know, that is where a lot of referrals would even come from as a family would be back in the ER because the the child wasn't able to be calmed down or supported and they ended up kicking or breaking or hitting someone. And um, so I I think there is a lot of families that do kind of cycle through different therapists, which is always hard to see. Um, And I think they're expectation of change is much lower at that point because they've been kind of let down with the hopes that this model would work for them um but and there's families that just work really really hard and still kind of stay in that cycle so yeah there there's a lot of sadness within that kind of intervention as well just knowing that there's so many people involved that to get everybody on the same page. It's, it's a challenge.
1: Do you like, do you kind of keep a ratio of um, like these types of cases versus like um, more individual cases or do you kind of like balance out your caseload in a way to like help with your own burnout? Absolutely. Um,
0: So I definitely have like at this point, like a small load of, this type of intervention and then um, a lot more like the individual, like anxiety, depression, um, relationship uh, type work that is maybe a little less intense, a little less crisis responding. Um, And you can, you're, when you're there, you're there. And then they kind of go really practice and, and move through some of those, their own life stressors um, without like me jumping in, in the crisis situation.
1: So for those clients that you would see like more on an individual basis or or things like that, what are some actionable steps that maybe could translate to the listeners of this show? So
0: I I've noticed particularly with like COVID um, kind of ending people have really, struggled with like, guilt and reprioritizing what exactly needs to be their prioritize priority. So a lot of times before, it was very easy for people, it was like, I got to go to work. That's my main priority. If I'm sick. If I'm this, I'm doing that. And now it's kind of like, well, you know, I feel a little guilty taking a little extra lunch to go visit my child at school, or, you know, I feel a little guilty taking off early, even though all my work is done. So I think knowing exactly um, how you want to spend your time and break up your time so that A, you don't burn out, but B, you also can still enjoy the things that maybe you rediscovered you love during COVID. Like, I think even during the slowdown, people started to notice some of those things come back into their life that actually just made them feel calm and actually allowed them to, you know, embrace some of the smaller things. And so rewiring some of that guilt of, like, you have to be everything to everyone and everything. And noticing, like, That first no is probably one of the hardest no's of like, no, I can't do that. I'm sorry. And putting that boundary into place. But like almost like you would work out your bicep, like flexing that muscle, it will kind of get easier because you will see the value of that reward later
1: on. Hmm. Yeah, that's a super helpful tip. So you're saying that the guilt that you're seeing in your clients a lot of times is almost like an overcompensation because like they weren't doing as much during COVID,
0: right? Yeah, and now everyone everyone's kind of doing a lot, right? So they're feeling like they have to give a hundred percent in er- every area, mm. and they don't want to miss anything. And they, you know, they're trying to make up for lost times in many ways. But you know, knowing that there does still have to be some balance and some boundaries, and taking a slow day for you is not anything to feel guilty about. Mm.
1: Yeah, if anything, what COVID showed us is like, don't necessarily have to slow down for a whole year or two, but slowing down every once in a while is helpful. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, I think a lot of people really started to try to look into their relationships a bit more during COVID. So I, at least for my individual caseload, I did start to see a lot of like, men coming into therapy that were looking to just be better partners right they just wanted to understand their partner a little bit better be more supportive you know not just be as checked out as i think a lot of society has been for quite some time you know we kind of just go for, from motion to motion and so i think some of that slowdown is really important and I think a lot of people have just kind of been realizing that they can um, create a space where they can go out and do, but they also can enjoy and should enjoy just also having a slower day, a slower moment, a slower time.
1: What a beautiful way to kind of like close things off is like the message is slow down people. (laughs) Slow (laughs) down, we're human, we can just enjoy ourselves. (laughs) Yes. I love to slow down. Courtney, how do we find more of you?
0: Um, You can find me on LinkedIn or you can find me on my website for COIL Counseling North Carolina.
1: And it's COIL, C-O-Y-L-E. Yes, ma'am. CounselingNC.com. I was on there earlier. Wonderful.
0: Yes. Please go take a visit and you can send me a message from there.
1: Yeah. And if listeners enjoyed this show, you can find more of this on bizradio.us. Make sure you like and subscribe. Thanks again, Courtney. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local
0: events, and more.